So my oldest two were early readers and my youngest sort of was too, but they're all close in age. So they would go to bed every night and my older two would be reading and he'd be there in the lower bunk pretending to read. So he would read the sight words and he would go through, I remember it, the fantastic Mr. Fox and he would point to all the sight words and then put a bookmark in it and like save a spot. Like he was a big kid with his chapter book when he really couldn't read yet. And he wasn't quite there. And so we used to play this game called Dubs and it's this quirky card game by Game Right. It's not even in print anymore, but he did it. like it captured his imagination. He loved the characters. He's got a, like the biggest imagination of anyone. He's always, especially then, was like in his own world. And so it just, it was his favorite thing. But the words were all like Toad Rider and Esteemed Elder, all these words that he wouldn't be able to read himself. So he had to play on my team. And we played all the time. I'm telling like multiple times a day, my thumbs were sore from shuffling. But in that period, when we were obsessed with it, he taught himself to read those. Like, I swear it's why he flipped the switch from the sight words into full on reading. He had so much growth during that time because he was so interested in that game and he didn't want to be on my team anymore. That's Kate Curley, lifelong gamer, educator, podcaster, and homeschool mom to three. Kate is the founder of Neverboard Learning, blogger at My Little Poppies, and one half of the Homeschool Sisters podcast. She left her career as a school psychologist when she became an unexpected homeschooler. After seeing the benefits of play-based learning as a school psychologist, Kate decided to incorporate it into her homeschool days at the beginning and has not looked back. Kate believes a play mindset can transform your homeschool routine and family life. Their days are filled with delicious books, incredible games, and a patchwork of creative resources. So grab a seat by the fire as we travel to southern New Hampshire and discuss how homeschooling can be almost all fun and games. But before we begin, just a quick reminder, be sure to check out our show notes for curriculum resources from past guests, as well as some free downloadable packets we've created. This will also be released as we are in the middle of our travels in Puerto Rico, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook to follow along on our journey with our kids on an overseas adventure. And now, back to the campfire. All right, so hello, Kate, and welcome to the Homeschool Project podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we are so excited to have you on. And I am like super pumped for this topic today. I'm familiar with it and I want to implement it more into our homeschool. So I'm excited for our listeners to get to know about it. And you are just the perfect candidate for this topic. So we're (laughs) going to start with a brief introduction. If you can tell us about you, your family, how long you've been homeschooling and what it is you do. Sure. So my name's Kate. I live in Southern New Hampshire with my husband and our three children. My oldest is 13. My daughter is about to turn 12 and my youngest son is 10. And we've been homeschooling. This is our eighth year. Can hardly believe it. But before homeschooling, I was a school psychologist. So I had to switch gears there unexpectedly. It was never something I thought that we would do. And yet we ended up here. And so had to take my public school hat off. (laughs) All right. And then your platform is Oh, my little poppy. Okay. I, so I started off writing at my little poppies about our sudden expected journey into homeschooling and game schooling and some of the things that we do in our homeschool. And then, um, I'm one half of the homeschool sisters podcast where we just chat real life homeschooling and 
This year, I opened a community for game schoolers and play, those who love play-based learning, and it's called Never Bored Learning. And that's that's my favorite spot right now. We're having a lot of fun over there. <laughs> yes, I love the title, by the way. So clever. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I have to say, like when I first started looking into homeschooling a couple of years ago, you and Kara's podcast was the, one of the first that I had listened to. And there were two things I, I got from it. And one was, okay, so there are cool homeschoolers. They're not all weirdos, <laughs> as terrible as that sounds. <laughs> and then the second being that I can do this. So I wanted to thank you and Kara for that because oh. it really did help like me like just go right into it and be like, okay, normal people are here. We can do this. <laughs> that means a lot. We were trying to like not do the Instagram filter thing to keep yeah. it real without, you know, not so real that it's not fair to our kids, but just, you know, <laughs> real life. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. And I was like you and I was a registered nurse for the public schools. So it was just not, I mean, he was the one that was like, Hey, you want to homeschool? And I'm like, yeah, what is this? Like, what is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Took some convincing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And lots of research. <laughs> yes. I'm with you on that. I had to convince my husband. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of what is the backstory on how you guys came to homeschooling? Sure. So we have, my oldest son is a really interesting kid and he entered kindergarten um, with like a really unique learning profile where he, he was in OT. He had a lot of sensory stuff, loud noises would cause him anxiety yet. He was super loud and really, really impulsive, like meets all criteria for your typical ADHD kids still to this day. And yet was reading the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings in kindergarten and doing math and fractions for fun and multiplication for fun. So we had this kid who didn't fit in the box, who disrupted the class, not meaning to, but just did. And, and we ended, we ended up having him tested long story short, and he was all over the place. And the evaluator said in the state of New Hampshire, there's no, he's what you call twice exceptional. So he's profoundly gifted with learning disabilities also. So really quirky and interesting. And she was like, I, your best chance is to homeschool. And she gave me a bunch of resources and told me not to think more of one than one year in advance. And here we are. <laughs> Eight years we later. ended up taking the other two home because it was, we had a lot of fun. Not always, it's not perfect, but and then you said you had to convince your husband he wasn't quite I did <laughs> my husband's a doctor we're both present uh, products of public school and it just was like we had never even thought of it we didn't have anything against it it's just there there's not a lot of people who homeschool there are more now but when we grew up we didn't know either of us know any homeschoolers it just wasn't something that we thought of not that we had even feelings about it so to think that we had moved here for this great school district and then you know we're not using it it was just it a lot to wrap your brain around that first year. Yeah, it is. Okay. So your newest platform you mentioned is never bored learning and it centers around play-based learning. So for anyone who's listening and unfamiliar with this term, can you explain what play-based learning is and then kind of what it looks like? Sure. So play-based learning is just, it's often said that play is the language of childhood or that it's the science of, I think, Fred Rogers said it's the science of childhood. It's the way that children starting off just explore their world and developmentally, it's an important part of the child development process. And it's been shown in research to 
have a positive impact on all aspects of child development. So from the physical to the social, to the emotional and to the cognitive. And what I really like, and I like to remind people is that there's research showing the play. I think we all know it's good for kids and that kids are meant to play, but it's good for teenagers. And it's also good for us big kids. And there's a lot of corporations that are working it into their environment now to, you know, make a more positive impact, but it's important for all of us. So when you incorporate play-based learning, a lot of people are familiar with strength-based learning or interest-based learning. Play-based learning is both of those things. If you're willing to relax a little bit and step outside of that public school mindset, you can actually use it with every age group. Yes. And that's what I wanted to make sure that you honed in on, because I know that when I first heard about play-based learning coming into this homeschooling world, that's all I thought was that it was early childhood education and that it was it would not do any good as far as learning purposes for the older kids, but it's not the case. Right. It just looks different. So a book that I know you're going to ask about books, but there is a book and actually a Ted talk. If you know, if people don't have time to read the whole book or they're not nerdy into education books, like I am, but play by Stuart Brown, you could Google Stuart Brown's. I forget the title of his Ted talk, but it will come right up. If you put it in there, it's one of the most watched one. He talks about all the science behind it and why it's important it will change the way you think about your whole outlook toward homeschooling. Great. I haven't actually heard about that one. So I'm going to look that one up. Can you give examples of like what play-based learning might look like? So play-based learning early in our homeschool, we do a ton of nature play, first of all. And then that's physical outdoor play. It's also imaginative play. I will see in the early years, we read aloud every single day and I would see the storylines that came up in our books played out through my children's play and their imagination. I still actually see things like that to this day. This past year, my husband uh, is a pulmonologist in the ICU. And so this year has been a tough year for that. Mm -hmm. And my kids had Beanie Boo ICU. My younger two were playing Beanie Boo ICU and you could see them working out like some of the the stuff that they're hearing and absorbing, just living through this weird timeline. So it's really cool to see how children will actually take what they're learning and process it through play, whether it's academic or social emotional. It's like our son right now. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) He's obsessed with the wild Kratz show. Yes. Which is super educational. And he even gets like their books. He tries it. It's ridiculous. We go to the library. He has figured out how to use my card and like go into the system and request books that and movies that are not at our library. Right. So it's been two weeks in a row now that I get up to the desk to check out and we've already got a good pile going on. And she's like, oh, your books and DVDs have arrived. And it's all wildcrats. Oh my goodness. That's such a great show. My <laughs> oldest was obsessed with wildcrats for a long time. It so. is a great show. And then I don't know if you're familiar with who would win books, but that's another I, great book. Anyways, he's, he's got the whole, I swear he has our entire County in our home. Right oh, now. wait, he's, are those the animals competing yes, against each other? Like, like a shark and the T-Rex? <laughs> yes. Okay, and like yes. you learn about the animals, yep. but what he's doing now on his free play time is taking one of our video cameras and recording himself like as if he's one of the crap brothers. It's great. That's and we have homing pigeons. And so his animals that he's teaching everybody about are homing pigeons. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> That's a perfect example of it. And it's his interest, right? So yes. it's interest based, it's strength based because it's his thing and he's playing. Yes. So it's just kind of it when you 
when you're learning something through play and you're interested in it, it just makes sense that it sticks better mm-hmm. than if someone was just, you know, throwing it at you because it's what you're supposed to learn during this grade level. And we get quizzed all day long, uh, probably 47 times at least today, um, <laughs> which animal would beat the other animal all day long. Quick, that was quick very much our world <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Who would win? And then if we don't answer correctly, he has to tell us why our guess was not a good guess. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> My oldest used to get obsessed with like the most obscure animals, like the cuttlefish and the Humboldt squid. And he would pretend to be it and like target. He'd be talking about all the stuff. And I'd be like, hi, don't mind us <laughs> walking through the aisle. <laughs> yeah. Animal lovers. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So then another term that I feel like we're hearing more and more about is game schooling. So can you explain what that is? Is it like an extension of play-based learning? Is it only board games? Like, what is this? So game schooling, I like to call it, it's the intersection of play-based learning and homeschooling. I feel like a lot of parents want to embrace play-based learning, but they don't know how to do it or what that looks like because it's harder to measure. So it's not like you finished a worksheet or a chapter and you can cross it off. It's more difficult, but with board games and game, any type of game, really, you can make it count. It's easier to like put it into paper form and log it. That said, never bored learning. We focus a lot on games, but we we're all play because I I think that's just one method. And I think it's a, you know, a a stepping stone that maybe you'll become more relaxed when you try the games and you see how much they impact your children, that maybe you'll step outside of that comfort zone and try some more things, but yeah, you can use games. Um, Some people use it as their only curriculum, Some people will have one game day a week and do like a four day schedule with a game day. Other people just incorporate it daily or weekly or whatnot. It's just whatever works for you, but it's a really easy way to, you know, kind of meld the academics and the play. Can you match up a game with a, like, uh, like a skill? You can. um, And there's actually, there's a lot of games, especially in the early years that target specifically those skills and there's nothing wrong with them, but that that can get expensive. And then once you learn, you know, X skill, you need to pass it on or resell it or something. But if you learn to look at it differently, you can start to kind of identify what areas different things are working on. And then you can actually, you can go to your, your school district's website and pull up their curriculum frameworks and look at the skills that your kid's supposed to know in six, you know, third grade, sixth grade, and then type those into like, I have um, game school logs that we have in our community and you can just fill in the blank of the skills that you're working on. Similarly, if your kid is on an IEP or a 504, you can pull out those skills too, because games are awesome for any sort of social, emotional communication, life skill, coping, frustration, tolerance, like all of that stuff. Cause game schooling is often ugly because kids will fight with each other and flip boards and cheat and stuff like that. But that's all life skills that they're going to have to deal with outside of the game board too. So you get to coach them through all of that. So for somebody who's like really not familiar with this, right. Like us, and that's not quite sure how it would look in real life. Can you, can mm-hmm. you give us an example of an actual game and like a subject that you would use to with that game? Sure. Well, one of my favorite things to do is to take, I, I do like these lazy unit studies, I call them, and it's based on whatever the kid is interested in. So if they're, if it's like, you know, you couldn't do it for Humboldt squid, but like, say you're into habitats or something, you can pull out 
books from your library on habitats. You can watch some documentaries and then you could play something like um, there's, there's a game called Habitat Trail that a lot of people like. There's Wildcraft, maybe you've heard of. It's about identifying plants and herbs and things like that. There's, is it Nature Tracks? There's one on the food chain that I'm blanking on right now because, because I'm trying to think of it, but you could do something like that where it's a unit study sort of thing where you just play this game over and over. There is a game called scrambled states. If your kids are struggling with states and capitals, a lot of kids don't do very well with those, you know, rote memorization tasks. But if you tie in the story that's behind the game, a lot of games have really great stories behind them. And scrambled states is one. There's actually a a picture book that goes with it and comes in booklet form in the game, but you play that over and over and your kids will know where the states are and what the capitals are because it's, and where they go, because the whole point is for scrambled states is they decided to mix things up and like wander off and try different things. And then they forgot where they were supposed to go back to. So the goal is to get them back where they're supposed to be on the map. So it's a great way. There's, there's a million things like that. Like my boys were really into memoir 44 and it's about world war II and they will actually sit down with my father-in-law and like talk about world war II in a way that I, I don't think I could now from playing memoir 44, because they were so interested in the game that then that prompted them to like read books and to read historical fiction and nonfiction and watch documentaries. And it's become this thing. So it's often like, it just kind of rolls. I guess we, I didn't really think of it that way, but we, I guess we have used it before we've uh, got the kids into Mad Libs. So I guess that's (laughs) kind of so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's kind of the the same thing. Um, And in a way that's, one way totally to, because yeah. you'll remember that and if someone's like just quizzing you on verbs that's so boring you know yeah, right. if you're trying to if you're going through a paragraph trying to circle all the verbs or something like that horrible. it's much yeah, more it's fun to do ad libs even if it's potty humor it's still <laughs> you're, you're still learning the functions <laughs> it's pretty much most of the mad libs that we do yeah. from our song yes here too <laughs> i'd like to tell you that by 13 they grow out that grow out of that but no <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us grew out no. of that. No. No. <laughs> Let's be honest. Hilarious. Yes, <laughs> and Mad Libs are fun. And then we've, we've I get I have to look at that game you were talking about because um, my son's really into uh, Risk. Yes. Oh, so my boys like Risk too. He would probably yeah. love Memoir 44. And that's like a four, um, that's like a four day commitment though. They're, yeah, they're... <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm glad that my boys like it. I, I don't love Risk, to be honest, or Memoir 44. Those aren't my style, but I will play with them. But they, it, it's neat to watch as you game school and expose your kids to all these different types of games to see what they gravitate towards. So my boys really like games like that, whereas my younger two will play like silly stuff together. And it's all like they, there's a Mad Libs game. Not that you you don't need it. Mad Libs themselves are just, just as much fun as, as the game. But you know, would play something like that with each other and have a lot of fun that way. But my boys really like the strategic battle type games. And it does, you're, you're right, kind of like rolls over into other things we're learning because then when we're reading our like our living history books, so they're actually, you know, interesting and engaging, mm-hmm. he will then actually be like, oh, it's kind of like wrist when they take over and do this. And it's like, you can see like the intersection of learning happening, which I love. I love it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good for that. So I, I don't know if you have any other, um, as far as benefits from play-based learning to add, cause I feel like you, you added a few in there. 
especially this year, this timeline that we're in right now, where it's been so difficult. And I think that's why you're hearing more about game schooling now there. It's a wonderful way. If you're either stressed out or burned out, or your kids are having a hard time, or, um, you know, if you're after schooling or remote schooling, it's a great way for your family to connect and also to learn a little bit at the same time. So you're, you're having this moment together, but it's also easing some stress. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So why did you, your family has been using this style of learning for years, right? Mm -hmm. So what was it that drew you to, to that? Well, I'm a game nerd, so I've been playing games forever. And I like some of the games that we have here are games, uh, other, you know, my cousins and I used to play together. My neighbors and I used to play together. So I have a collection, but I have seen games work with kids over the years. I used to be a nanny and I would use them all the time. And then I, when I worked in schools, it was a big thing. Um, when I was working in Boston K through 12, I would play games, either a board game or, or I would read books is another thing that we do, like a silly picture book to a teenager. And they would act like they weren't interested, but they totally were, if it was a goofy one or go play basketball or something just to make a connection so that they're willing to loosen up and, you know, whether it's testing or counseling or whatever, I've just seen it work in a number of different areas. And I also studied child development when I was going into school psychology. So I knew that play was really, really important. And I knew that that was something that I wanted in our homeschool, especially because when we fell into it, my son at that age was a lot. (laughs) And I was like, how are we going to do this? Like, are we going to drive each other crazy? So I I worked that in and it ended up being something that just became such a huge part of our homeschool. And so now that you've been doing it for years, can you actually speak on any like benefits that you have seen in your own children from this style? I just think it, I think it helps you with every, can you hear our Alexa downstairs? I told them not to use that. <laughs> no, actually. So we can't. Okay. okay, good. <laughs> All right. All right. Carry on. I've just seen it impact. At, like, I mean, I could tell you about my daughter being frustrated with ter- telling time and like making a game out of that and how she, that clicked or coin identification, like the early years. I always tell the story of my youngest. So my oldest two were early readers and my youngest sort of was too, but they're all close in age. So they would go to bed every night and my older two would be reading and he'd be there in the lower bunk mm-hmm. pretending to read. So he would read the sight words and he would go through, I remember the fantastic Mr. Fox and he would point to all the sight words and then put a bookmark in it and like save a spot. Like he was a big kid with his chapter book when he really couldn't read yet. And he wasn't quite there. And so we used to play this game called Gubs and it's this quirky card game by game, right? It's not even in print anymore, but it. like it captured his imagination he loved the characters. He's got a, like the biggest imagination of anyone. He's always, especially then was like in his own world. And so it just, it was his favorite thing, but the words were all like toad rider and esteemed elder, all these words that he wouldn't be able to read himself. So he had to play on my team and we played all the time. I'm telling like multiple times a day, my thumbs were sore from shuffling. But in that period, when we were obsessed with it, he taught himself to read those. Like, I swear it's why he flipped the switch from the sight words into full on reading. He had so much growth during that time because he was so interested in that game and he didn't want to be on my team anymore. And it was just a span of months. So it was really cool. And homeschooling and game schooling are a long game. And a lot of times we're hoping that things we're doing are working, but if you give it a little bit of time and you look back, you can see like, that was a good call to work on that. But even just socially, just working through 
you know, kids, um, my oldest was not good, still isn't even really excellent at Lee doesn't like to lose. And so he was ultra competitive and he had to learn that if you want to play that game with somebody and you're rubbing it in, you know, they're, they're not going to want to play with you. And also if you storm off and flip the board, they're not going to want to play with you anymore. So it's just, you know, it's life skills that you're learning. Yes. That's another big one. I think that I I feel like all of our kids have benefited from so far, which is learning how to lose gracefully Mm -hmm. and being okay with it. I mean, there's some adults that can't do that. Oh, a lot of adults that can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) I actually remember reading that in in Peter Gray's book, the Mm -hmm. free to learn book, where he said, like, if you leave kids alone, they'll learn that if they're, if they're being obnoxious or they're annoying another kid or they're being, you know, rude that the other kids aren't going to play with them and now they can't play at all. Right. So then they learn to, you know, behave or not be a sore loser because that's the only way you're going to get other people to hang out with you. It's really cool to watch kids in free play in that sort of situation too. And I love his book and, and all his Ted talks, but um, like how they'll change their rules. If you watch, um, which I encourage parents with game schooling to do the same thing, to not be so rigid with things, because if you watch kids play, one kid won't like the way something's going and we'll be like, well, how about we do this? And then they have to kind of talk to each other. And then they're like, okay, we'll let that go. And the, they, they change the rules all the time. So it's this, you know, in the moment, critical thinking and problem solving because they want the game to continue. So they can't, you know, if they make everybody mad, they're just going to leave and it's going to be game over. So it's really neat to watch kids work things out. But I know that's hard for parents to sit back and be like, this is okay during our homeschool day when I have math and writing and, you know, all these things that I need to check off because the year end eval is coming up. Yes. Speaking of, so do you have any more advice for those parents that are wanting to meet those state requirements and are just needing a little bit more encouragement or maybe the ones that do want to embrace this? but feel guilty as if it's not learning. How do they, how do they make that count? So I would, I'm trying to think if I have one on my site right now, I have a very basic game school log and it's a way that you can make it count. But even if you don't do that, if you just take one game and it can just even be a card game, I often tell, you know, games can get really expensive. I can sit here and be like, we have all these games because I've been collecting since I was like 10 years old, but you really only need a deck of cards. And then you can go to the bicycle website and they also have an app too. And it's called how to play and they for free have rules for everything. Like you can just type in how many players, what the ages are, what type of thing you're looking for. And you could play all year long with just a deck of cards, but take something like that. And I mean, especially in the younger years, virtually anything you play is going to have a math component. So just figure out what that is and just play. And maybe you do it during your morning time. Maybe you do it before dinner, like the witching hour to settle kids down, or maybe it's something you play at lunch or on the road. We often play like on the soccer sidelines or, (laughs) you know, the sidelines of swim. Yeah. Just even just one, like once a week, work it in and just see how it works for you guys. And then write it down or there's ways to document it online too. I used to use a a free app called Seesaw and that's, that's a way that you could document digitally for free. And you can take a picture and be like, you know, we played this, it works on these skills Mm -hmm. and put it in there. But I would encourage people just to start small. You don't have to have every game. You don't need to necessarily even, we have people in never board learning who who will be like, Hey, I'm playing this game. Can anyone tell me what, you know, I can't think of what it's actually working on. And people will just be like, and sometimes if you ask people, it's easier to see 
you know, cause it's outside of the situation that you're in. No, that's great advice. And that one app you said is called bicycle. So bicycle playing cards website has, you can go on the website or you can download a free app called the how to play app. Okay. Um, and then seesaw is the one that we use for digital portfolios when we did that. Okay. That's great. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. So I think you kind of already answered the question on how they can get started if they want to add more play-based learning, which is just, you know, add a game once a week and, and then go from there. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially if, um, and then free play, you know, for right. just, uh, giving them that time. I think sometimes parents, they forget to just allow for that time for the kids just to be, to just go and play. Right. And it's so, and I think it's because if you're not used to it, when you first get started, the kids come back to you 10 minutes later and say, I'm bored. <laughs> right. And you have to get past that. It's like, a, I forget Kim John Payne, who wrote Simplicity Parenting had like a term for that, but there's like this moment of torture. Like you have to wait out that part. And just, I always say you're bored. Well, good. That means you're going to come up with something. I can't wait to see what you come up with. And they'll be like, mom, but then they'll go off and they'll do something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always something that I'm going to be like, that was an amazing moment, but they're, they do something. And, and often, I mean, pour yourself a cup of coffee and just watch them. If they're out in the backyard, like once they get going, just be a silent observer. And it's really cool. You'll notice a lot of things that come up um, yes. that will kind of put your heart at rest as you're watching them. Yeah. And if you're not a silent observer, they will come bother you again. <laughs> yes, they will. That's why you got to be really covert with that. Even maybe peek out the kitchen window. Every now and then. <laughs> yeah, from like the corner. <laughs> it takes a while until, and my kids used to do that too. They still do it, but it does take a while until they're like, can go out there and do something themselves. Yeah. Unfortunately, we, yeah, we have to be like the, the very far distant observers. Cause they tried to like, like bring us back in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> love your children from a distance. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm all for tossing them outside. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little oh, fresh yeah. air. A little fresh air. <laughs> that is like a rule in our house. Yeah. It's well, that's why the, the Alexa's on. I was like, I, I kicked you guys out. You have to be outside for 45 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Alexa, interestingly, the Alexa's down below me. I can hear her. <laughs> he snuck in. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, so yes, one of the ways also that parents can get started or get help in getting started is through your platform, Neverboard Learning. Can you tell us more about it? And uh, what are some of the resources that you offer parents on there? Sure. So we, we actually used to be on Facebook and we had a great vibe happening on Facebook. And then this past like couple years, Facebook just got all angry and you, you know, it's bad if it infiltrates a play-based learning group, because it was like the happiest face on the internet. Did they cancel you? No, no, they didn't cancel me. I canceled it. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, enough, this is supposed to be fun. Go play with your kids. So I, I shut that down. And now we have like a smaller little community of people who are, you know, there's no trolls because they, they want to be there. And so, um, it's all for parents of all ages. We have like really 
veteran homeschoolers in there that I'm learning from constantly. It's just people who embrace play-based learning or game schooling. And it, uh, we have, our favorite part is there's a private forum. It functions like Facebook, but it's not social media. So you're not getting all like weird things at the top of your feed and there's no ads or anything. And, but we have speakers come in. So once a month, we have a speaker who is either a homeschooling, someone from the homeschool community or from a game, like a manufacturer, a game creator, they come in and they talk about a topic. So we have one of those a month. Then we have a day in the life and we encourage from all levels of, I don't want to say levels, but experience wise. We have people who just started during COVID that didn't necessarily even want to homeschool that are now like, do I continue that they have come on for a day in the life? We have people who have been unschooling, you know, people who do more structured homeschooling, people who use video games because those can also count. And I know that video games can be very taboo in the homeschool community and elsewhere. And they just speak to what it looks like in their homeschool. Cause I think it's, it's interesting to see how every other people do it. And you learn something from each person who comes on and tells you something. And then um, we have a live Q and a once a month. And then every month at the end of the month, we have something we call our playbook and it's for the font, the upcoming month. And it has the schedule and everything, but it also has printable resources like documentation for your year end evals and whatnot print and play activities and games challenges. That's something I should have mentioned is that challenges are a great way to get started if you're trying to build a new habit. So we'll have things like that. And we also have monthly partnerships with game companies that we love and love to give away and promo codes and stuff like that. So it's been, but by far the, um, the community is the coolest place. It's just a really creative group of people that I love having my morning coffee sneaking down the stairs before everyone's up and seeing what's been going on for the last 24 hours. So it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. That's so cool. That is so great that you have just totally embraced this style of learning and the niche that it is. And that platform just sounds like a dream for everybody that that wants to add that more into their days. Was there like a defining moment that inspired you to create this or was it just like an accumulation over time? So do you know Shauna Wingert from different by design learning? She writes for simple homeschool too. Mm -hmm. I have known her for years and she started working with me the past couple of years as my little poppies and the homeschool sisters have grown. Cause we never started off writing the blog for my education friends. Cause they thought it was like a funny story. Like how, how did this happen? What's happening? So I was like, I'll start a blog. It will hold me accountable. So I never expected it to turn into any sort of like business, but then it sort of did. So Shauna, and I don't have a business head. So Shauna came on to help me with that. And I was lamenting the Facebook because it was really, it was fun. And then it wasn't. And I just, I don't like the, the arguing and everything. That's not, I, you know, I want my people to play with their kids. That's the whole point. And so she was like, you could just shut that down and take it elsewhere. And I was like, I've never thought about that. So it was purely Shauna. Cause I don't think of things like that. I was like, Oh my gosh, I've never even thought that we could just do that. And it would be a separate thing. And it would be all the people who want to be there that are like, everybody shush. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, that's, it was purely Shauna's great idea. So I was a little burnt out last year and it's really been nice to have a space that it's like a happy internet space where people are sharing really creative ideas and supporting each other instead of being cranky and things like that. So yeah, we need more happy internet spaces. Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so, been really so nice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so bad and so sad. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
All right. So along with your platform, were there any like books or resources that you would recommend? You recommended one of them earlier that kind of helped shift your mindset on just how beneficial play can be in your child's learning journey. Sure. So I was going to mention Peter Gray's book, Free to Learn. I already mentioned Play by Stuart Brown. I would also recommend um, Last Child in the Woods by Richard Love. He doesn't talk specifically about play, but he's talking about what is nature play or physical play. And it's extraordinarily important for all kids, but especially if you have a kid who's very busy, like I have two of those, the kid that couldn't stay in the chair in kindergarten would like physically fall out of it and be talking, you know, it makes such a huge difference if you just spend time outside and getting physical climbing things and jumping off things. And then the other one is spark by John J. Rady. And it talks about, it's a fascinating book on the science of exercise. And he actually has used it with regard to public school, but he's done all these studies and they're old now. They're from, I think the nineties, um, which is sad that that's old, but he, (laughs) he would have kids do gym class right before they're like, if they were in, um, a remedial reading course class, they would do gym before. And there was statistically significant differences between the kids who were physical right before their hard class and the kids who are not. And he did it in a number of different ways too, but it's, it's fascinating. And it will make you think like, maybe we should go for that hike before we do the math, you know, just kind of shake things up in a way that you can't when you're in public school, unfortunately, but those would be the ones that I would recommend. Yeah. They just completely got rid of gym in public school. (laughs) I know. Who needs that? (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. That's it. That's another sad thing. (laughs) Yes, it is. There's a lot of sad things. There are. We're going to fix that, right? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> These kids are for sure. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful future human beings. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> All right. So we are down to the final questions that we always ask our guests. And the first one is, if you could hand a book to every new person that you met, what book would it be? Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne. Love it. I read it at least once a year. And I know that wouldn't really work for people who aren't parents, I guess, but it's just, I think it's a great reset in this culture that we're in where sometimes you feel like, should I be, should my kid be doing two sports or, you know, should we be in a club too? And things like that. It's just, he takes it down to basics and it's like, it's like a hug. (laughs) It just makes you feel better. (laughs) I think I need to read that. (laughs) It's really, really good. And he has an awesome podcast too. We actually had him on sisters and Kara and I are both obsessed with him. So we couldn't believe that it was actually happening. We were fangirling him and he called himself a homeschool uncle and we almost died. (laughs) So now we feel like we're his BFF, but we're not. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. What's the name of his podcast? I think it's called Simplicity Parenting, but he's, and like true to form. So they're small, like little chunks that he'll just talk about a topic, but he told us that as he's recording them, he's like out on the farm doing farm chores. So you can hear things and and he doesn't edit them or anything. Like he's just like very simple with it, but they're, they're great bite-sized chunks that are on a ton of different topics of parenting and child development. I love that. We'll have to look into that. And he homeschooled for a little bit too, which I didn't even know. Wow. No, I didn't know that either. I've heard of him. I've heard of his book. I think you're like the second or third guest that has recommended this. So this has to go on my book list now. (laughs) Okay. If you knew you could only leave one last piece of wisdom for your children, what would it be? I love the quote and I don't, it's 
I tried to look up who it's attributed to and it's attributed to like all different people, but the, in some variation of be kind to others for, you don't know what battle they're fighting. And that's something that we say to our kids all the time. So that would be my choice. All right, Kate. So where can people find you and all of your platforms? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So you can find me at my little poppies on the web. Um, and at my little poppies on Instagram, that's probably, that's the only social media that I'm actually me on and not like a scheduler because social media is hard and um (laughs) homeschool sisters podcast we are back for season 10 just started up um and we're having a really fun season where we're answering like the top five questions and then never bored learning and that's bored as in board games and so you can find us there too all right Well, thank you so much, Kate, for joining us today. This was great. I enjoyed it. And I I feel like our listeners are going to take a lot from it. And I love that we can connect them to your Never Bored Learning resource. Sounds amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always fun to talk about education and kids and play. It's my favorite thing. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you, Kate. And uh, have a great day. You too. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. We want to thank Kate for joining us today. Her knowledge and experience with play-based learning is a wonderful resource for families to begin implementing more play in their lives. We also want to thank all of you for joining us around the campfire today, as well as those of you who continue to join us each and every week faithfully. Thank you so much for that. It truly fills our bucket. You can find links from this episode to any books, games, or resources mentioned in the show notes. If you have been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to follow us on your podcast app and write a review. This will help other families find us on that big app world. We also would love for you to connect with us on social media, such as Facebook or Instagram, or just send us an email and say hi and let us know how we're helping you or how we can help you. We hope you guys have an amazing week. And as always, let's light a fire they can't put out.